Hello, and welcome to The Bright Podcast. We're building and refining individuals through education is our mission. I'm Jamie Burno. And I'm Stephanie Burno. We are a husband and wife team that is passionate about bringing you the latest information when it comes to health, fitness, and personal growth. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Burno Bodies. We offer cutting-edge strength training online programs and customized nutrition plans to help you succeed with your fitness goals. Check us out at burnobodies.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to our first podcast. Hi. So today we're talking about happiness. Because who doesn't want to be happier? Right. And that uh, seems to be the pursuit of every person's dream, right? I think that when you ask, what do you want out of life? Most people are saying, I want to be happier. Right. They want to be successful. They want to have money. And they want to be happy. So we are here to talk about what is happy what is happiness how do we get it and you know all the components that come with happiness yeah you know a lot of people seem to ask me like are you happy are you happy at your job are you happy in your marriage or in your life well you know that seems to be everyone's desire is to be happy but i mean i think it's i don't think it's really possible to be happy all the time I mean, we all have our ups and downs. Right, exactly. I don't think, so every day you can't be happy level 10 out of 10 every single day. I think it's something that you have to work for and something that you have to actively pursue. Pursuing happiness is an ongoing thing. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I think it's like any skill that you, you have to learn over time. You know, just like with personal growth, um, happiness is something that you have to work towards and you have to be productive and do things in your life to progress to that stage of happiness. So when we were talking about happiness and wanting to do this podcast, we uh, dove into a few different resources to help us find out more about happiness and one of the things that we watched was a documentary on Netflix called Happy and then we looked at some of the studies that they talked about in that movie and then we listened to some other resources, uh, movies, podcasts, different things for us to really get a better picture of happiness and one of the things that I thought and I think you did as well, that was like super crazy, is that 50% of happiness is just like your genetic makeup. Right, yeah, that's just like your set point. That's determined just solely by your DNA, your genetics. And everyone's set point is different, but that's 50%. What was super crazy, the 10%. And that 10% is just like circumstantial, your home, your money, your job. And I think that's what everyone puts like the biggest focus on is 
is that small 10%. Yeah, that was kind of surprising to me because I always thought, well, you know, you always strive to, you know, be successful. And, you know, the idea is to be in a job where you're making a lot of money and money isn't necessarily the thing that makes you the happiest. Right, exactly. But I, it's just so crazy that, you know, we put so much emphasis on, on our jobs, on our home, on how we look. But really, that is just like a small percentage of truly being happy. Now, there's a 40% left, and the 40% is all about us. And, right, our intentional behavior. And things that we choose to do which we get to choose whether or not we're happy. And that's 40% of this big pie, which is a huge portion. Right. And I, and I think um, what helps with your intentional behavior as far as increasing your happiness, um, what I learned is like changing certain things, like adding some variety to uh, your daily routine. Like, And I've heard this before from just growing up is that you don't want to be stuck in this uh, mundane routine of, you know, doing the same thing every day. Um, so just adding variety, like if you're running somewhere, changing your routes um, while you're exercising, or if you sit somewhere at, at a class at a school, you if you don't have assigned seating, you know, change your seat every day or, um, you know, change the route that you, you take going home from work. Right, I've heard that too, and and you know we've we've heard these things, but when was the last time you actually did that? You know what I mean? Because I can't think of the last time I took a different route home to or from work. At work, I, I've noticed like with cops, there's they're, they're so stuck in this um, this routine that they always stay in this seat that they've been sitting like every day. So I'll sit in one seat and the next day I'll sit up front. The next day I'll sit in the back and just try and change it up, you know, on purpose. And um, kind of get weird looks when I used to do that. I don't do that anymore because I'm not a police officer anymore, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me happier. But, um, yeah, I'll also take different routes going home. I have, I'll be like, okay, I took baseline going home. And then so this day I'll take... That's true. That's true. You definitely did a much better job at taking a different route than yeah. than I do. I follow the same route every single time, mostly because I think I'm running like to the minute on time. And so I'm afraid to deviate from that because I don't want to lose time. Yeah, but I think just these small changes kind of snowballs into just changing your behavior so you're not, you know, stuck in this boring habit of doing the same thing every day. I agree. I agree. And um, I think that people have a hard time with changing things up because they worry that they're going to forget something or it's going to be change is hard. A lot of people have a hard time with change. Yeah. And, you know, and, and speaking of, uh, you know, 10% being your, um, your income, uh, you know, they say money can't buy happiness, but you know, if you talk to a guy living under a bridge, someone that's homeless and you give him money, of course he's going to be happy. Um, 
but they say anything over a certain amount, like over 50,000, doesn't matter if you're making over 50,000 to 5 million, like your happiness level surprisingly doesn't change. Right. Because those basic needs have been met. So your basic needs of shelter, food, clothing, once those are met, anything beyond that is kind of just the same. Yeah. It's like play money. So it's, doesn't matter what house you live in that's not going to change your happiness even though obviously we do expect it to going back like 50 years um people were uh, generally happy making just a, a small amount of income even though they were living in smaller houses maybe they only had one car per family and then even though wealth has increased uh, over time Statistically, the happiness level for um, the general public has gone down, or stayed the same. Right? Has it, it like has not gone up? With um, we would expect it to go up because people are making more money, living in bigger houses, things like that. But it's staying the same um, consistently, regardless over the last fifty years. So. What is happiness? Um, Like the chemical makeup in the brain is? So the the chemical that's responsible for happiness is uh, dopamine. And dopamine um, is generally released through these uh, neurotransmitters. And that's what causes that response of euphoria or or happiness. But over time, um, those synapses uh, the neurotransmitters start to die off um, especially if you're stuck in the same type of uh, pattern or behavior where maybe your your lifestyle is uh, sedentary um, where you're not releasing as much dopamine you're not as happier as you were in your younger days and so uh, over time as those as those uh, dopamine uh, neurotransmitters start to die off, your health could start to deteriorate. So when we talk about going back to that 40% of intentional behavior, one of the things to do to increase that dopamine is seeking out like um, specific ways to increase or get dopamine. So physical activity, which we do on the regular, that's a big Um, a big proponent of getting dopamine and doing things like we said outside of the normal taking a different route things like that spicing things up especially when we're seeking out physical activity in fun ways and I know Jamie really wants to go skydiving so for him that's physical activity in a fun way I think it's just because you're in this zone and um, that's something that we've looked into, it's called a flow. Yeah, being in the zone or flow, which is awesome for me. I When was the last time you think that you've been in the zone, in flow? Probably just recently, even though it was just a short amount of time, was when I was free falling in that wind tunnel where there, I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just in the present moment just enjoying what I was doing, being in the zone. 
um, feeling just the wind under me, free falling. And that's why I kind of want to pursue skydiving. It's just because I feel it'll be very blissful. You're in this state of just this awesomeness of being in the present. So the last time I personally was in the zone is uh, like a good workout for me. Like when I can put in my headphones and like I'm not distracted by anything else and you can really just become, although you're connected with yourself, it's also being disconnected because when you're in the zone, you're, you lose your ego, you forget time, you, some people express feeling a loss of like even losing track of their physical body. And the reason for that is because your brain can only um, like connect with so many things at a time. That's why you can only hear like two people talking to you at the same time. But if there's five people talking to you, your brain cannot compute that. So when you're in this, this state, it you lose track of so many things while you're in this moment. Yeah, I felt that way too being at the gym and it's you get distracted when someone comes up to you and like they're standing right next to you. You don't even notice until they're like tapping you on the shoulder and then, then they take you out of the zone, which is kind of annoying. But that happens being at the gym when there's a lot of people there and so it's kind of hard to maintain that, but other things that I think have um you know, you can get into the flow when you're at work. Or there's a lot of different ways to get into the flow. But I, more specifically, I think there's a lot of distractions that can keep us from being in this flow state. Those being a lot of the technology. So I know changing, like focusing on like my music or getting a text or that takes away from being in the flow. Yeah, there's a book written um, about having flow by Dr. Mahali. I'm going to screw up his last name here. Zizinska Mahali. Anyway, um, he talks about the flow is the key to unlocking meaning, creativity, peak performance, and having true happiness. So I think as long as you're experiencing that, is one key element of obtaining true happiness. I know they talk about those people who can get into the flow more frequently are happier than people who do not get into the flow more frequently. So if you are consistently getting into flow, you will be happier. Yeah. um, This one TED Talk where this doctor was talking about this particular genius who didn't have much of a love life, but he was a multimillionaire. He would always be in this flow in this zone of, of playing like bridge. Mm-hmm. And, but he was like the happiest person on earth because he was always in this flow on what he was doing, even though he wasn't necessarily happy in love, but he was happy with what he was doing. Right. So I think flow is a very specific, um, way to increase your happiness. Yeah, and and you know, just being a, a generally happy person means that you're not always going to have um, pure bliss. I mean, with pleasure comes pain. You know, you're going to have times of adversity, 
And so, but the, the thing about being able to create happiness or being happy is that you're able to be very resilient and bounce back very quickly. Right. When they talk about this thing, it's called um, happiness set point. And along with that comes the hedonic treadmill. And these things for me kind of go side by side together. Uh, the happiness set, set point theory and the hedonic treadmill theory, it's kind of like... So do you want to talk about the hedonic treadmill, kind of what that looks like? Yeah, I think um, part of the hedonic treadmill is that you, let's say you purchase some things and it makes you happy. Well, after a while, your set point comes back down to baseline. And so you need more and more things to make you happy. It's just this constant treadmill of wanting more and more. So do you think, like, what was the time when you thought, like, hey, if I get this one thing, I am going to be happier? Or if I achieve this one thing, I know I'm going to be happier? It's probably usually with, like, materialistic things. I think that comes down to, like, our human instinct of just probably just being greedy. Do you think, have you ever had a time, though? Like, I can think of a specific time. Probably when I uh, purchased my first home in uh, 98 and it was a perfect house you know it was a good starter house three bedroom two bath and it was perfect for just uh me and and uh my daughter sarah and you were living there the last couple years and it was a perfect size but even though i lived in there for 15 years i always sought out like bigger homes i'd always look at model homes and i always wanted more but i had to use a lot of discipline to not go out and want those bigger and better things because I think we're just so instinctively just greedy, I guess. We're always wanting more and bigger and better things. So the one time I can think of for me is when I thought, like, if I get this one thing, I will be so much happier. I mean, for me, that was competing. One of the... A few years ago, I thought, like, if I could break into the top five, I will be happier. And that has not actually changed my happiness. Like, not even a little bit. I thought that this would be a huge thing. But in the perspective of, like, the bigger picture, that doesn't matter. So it didn't change my happiness. Um... I think that we put these like big thoughts, like put so much emphasis on things that in the big scheme of things don't actually matter. Yeah. I think that comes down to like your value system as far as um, your goals, like um, what makes you happy. So there's a couple of different value systems when it comes to happiness. There's uh, intrinsic and there's, extrinsic you want to talk about intrinsic um intrinsic is um like our personal growth type of goals um so when we think about intrinsic goals we think about like our close friendships our family those relationship type goals and the desire to to help people right yes having that community feeling 
um, just having close friendships, having uh, close friends and having a good support system with, uh, with your family, you know, doing good for the community is what really brings you true and deep happiness that's long lasting. The uh, extrinsic happiness is dealing with money, um, your status or fame, being Insta famous on Instagram, having a thousand you know, million, million followers. followers. Um, and are those people truly happy? I would themselves? say I would say no. You know, even though they they have so many followers and they they feel they need validation from strangers, um, I don't think they're really truly happy inside. And if you look at uh, there's this one documentary called I think it's the American Meme, where they had uh, talked about like Paris Hilton how she talks about. You know, as soon as she gets up in the morning, she checks all her social media because she has 50 million followers, you know, combined with her Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or whatever else. But when when they follow her around, she's traveling, she's by herself and she talks about how lonely she is and how unhappy she is. So I think that if you are looking for extrinsic goals, they are not the thing that is going to make you happy those things are not the way to true happiness the true way to happiness are through these like personal goals of of intrinsic those are what makes you happier yeah there's this uh one banking director who had everything he ever needed you know he spent a lot of his money on fashion and um, he gave all that up because it really had no meaning to him and it didn't make him happy. What made him happy was for the last 17 years, he would volunteer at a uh, like a hospice center for the destitute and the dying. And Mother uh, Teresa made that. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was really interesting um, how he, he finds true happiness in helping others. So when he... Um, I just want to go back to the happiness set point that we were talking about, because for me, this was like a big, another big aha moment for me as we talked about this. So it's the happiness set point is no matter you're going to experience like happiness levels that take your happiness levels up and then you're going to experience like bad moments and but you're always going to recover. So you're going to come back to your baseline. So even when you have these happy moments, you will recover and come back to your baseline. So when you have big things, like say you get a promotion in the in, in your job, that's going to make you very happy. But at some point, you will return to your, your baseline set point. Yeah, I think the happiness kind of just comes and goes, comes in waves, like like an ocean wave. And so the same thing happens when we talk about things like when bad things happen. Bad things are going to happen regardless of your happiness level. They will happen. And thankfully, for the most part, we do recover quite well from bad things happening to us. You get in a car accident. Yes, that is a terrible thing, but you 
will recover. Studies have shown that you will recover and return back to your baseline happiness. So that's actually really good. Yeah, that's just life, you know, life in general. But people are usually pretty resilient on bouncing back and, and um, you know, good things will will come. I think the reason that was so interesting to me is because when we talk about like a body fat set point, we talk about um, people who are working to, everyone has their own uh, body fat set point and it takes a lot of work to kind of get to a different body fat set point. Just like it takes a lot of work to get to a different happiness set point. But I do believe that you can change your happiness set point and you can raise that bar long term. So yes, 50% is your genetic whatever, but I think that you can work to raise that bar and raise that set point. Yeah, they did a, uh, a PET scan on a Buddhist monk. Uh, who was a monk for the last 30 years. I think he actually had a PhD. But uh, they looked uh, at his brain scans and they actually saw um, part of the the brain, the cortical scans were actually, were all, all on fire and they were, they were thicker in the brain from just meditation. When he was doing meditation on gratitude specifically. Uh, gratitude and compassion, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. So... Um, and that is one way that you can work to bring up your set point. When we talk about the happiness set point, things to change that are these meditation practices on happiness, on compassion, because they are shown to increase that compassion. And like Jamie was saying, those meditation practices actually change the structure of your brain. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. The so. structure, not just like the... Like literally changes your brain. So I think if you invest, what, 10 to 20 minutes a day yeah. of just meditation, it kind of um, pays itself off in, in the long run. Some other things that they talked about and we've researched to change that set point, um, counting your blessings or doing a gratitude practice. So the people that consistently look for their blessings in life, look for ways to be grateful, those people overall are happier than those people who are not looking for that. Doing acts of service, that's huge as well. Those people who are doing things for others, not selfishly just trying to be about themselves, it goes back to that sense of community. Yeah, I believe uh, one of the studies showed that the most effectiveness um, for happiness was doing acts of kindness. Yeah. Showed people to be the happiest. And, uh, you know, some of the benefits of being happy, it uh, creates longevity. You live longer. You're less stressed. You're more productive. You age gracefully. Um, I think, here's a fun fact. So the... Dun, dun, dun. Fun fact. The country with the worst happiness levels is... Can you guess? I already know the answer. It's Japan. And um, the reason why they think Japan has the worst happiness levels is because after World War II, um, their country created a culture 
of telling his people, hey, we need to rebuild, we need to work hard. Uh, so they were preaching material prosperity. Um, so they were very materialistic in their, in their ways of thinking. So that created higher stress for the people. Um, they were literally working so hard, they were working themselves to death. People were dying on the job. They've had so many deaths, they actually created a term for it in Japan. It's called Kuroshi. And so I think Japan needs to have some sort of paradigm shift because they're the, not only are they losing a lot of people, their workers, but a lot of other things are, are suffering, just like their, their uh, morale. Um, they have one of the lowest birth rates because just be, the, the people don't want to uh, have a family and have kids because... Work comes first. And then one of the leading countries uh, as far as happiness is Denmark. And the reason why they think Denmark is the happiest um, out of the world is because of just how they live, how they socialize. They have just a high quality of, of a social gathering, social interaction. So just going and talking with people and interacting with people um, creates happiness, like a co-op, you know, being cooperative uh, with each other. They have these um, uh, communities where they have multi-cohabitable living quarters where lots of families live in these, um, these structures. So, like, families will come together and, like, make dinner. And so they think it's because of the social interactions is why... People are so happy in Denmark, and they've been number one out of the last seven years. And United States comes in number eighteen, and they're actually and we're actually dropping. So that's not good. Well, more recently, this is a more recent thing: is a study of positive psychology. For years and years, uh, these people were only researching more of like the negative things, like depression and some of those underlying disorders, it's only been more recently that they have been looking at what they call positive psychology. And that is more looking at just the average person and bringing up their level of happiness and or taking that person who's depressed and bringing them not just to baseline, but exceeding that, you know, instead of just bringing them from a negative five up to a zero, exceeding that and bringing them their happiness even higher. It's about getting that the average person to create more, to be driven. This positive psychology is kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think um, people need to have some meaning in their life, too, to to be happy. Yeah, kind of knowing your why, your bigger picture. Uh, why are you here on earth? Like, what are you here to do? What, it, what are the good things that you can bring to this sense of community? What can you bring to your family? What can you bring to the community where you live? It's... When we think about happiness, it's it's a bigger picture, not just this small frame of mind. Yeah. You know, I feel real happy when I'm very productive and I know that what I'm doing has some meaning to others, that I'm serving others. And that makes me feel good inside. 
So hopefully this podcast is making us both very happy as we're bringing you lots of education. If we could just help one person, that would make us very happy. (laughs) So being happy is, it's not a constant like we talked about. It is an active choice to become happy, to work on happiness, to be happy in the in your present sense that that is definitely sometimes hard but it is you can do it yeah it takes work it takes uh, some learning and just constantly developing yourself and learning personal growth so with that said thanks for joining us on our first ever podcast We're happy you could tune in. And so stay tuned for the next episode where we're talking relationship advice. Dun, dun, dun. Because we love love.